This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown. It's Friday, February the 17th, 2023. Coming up in the second hour of the show, Michael McNeely reviews the documentary Fire of Love. A little volcano talk with Michael McNeely. And then Greg David will chat about AMI's new TV program, Ness Murby Transcending. Always looking forward to wrapping up the week with Greg David. But the hour begins with the regional news update. Starting in British Columbia, two people are dead and one person is injured after an avalanche in southeastern B.C. John Kennedy has the story. Avalanche Canada says a group of five snowboarders and one skier were caught in the slide on the Purcell Mountains on Thursday in an area known as Terminator 2.5 outside of a ski area boundary in the town of Golden. It says the avalanche was triggered by the group and three people were buried in the snow, one partly and two completely. The agency says the snowpack in the interior is already incredibly complex and difficult and may not show signs of instability before a large avalanche can occur. John Kennedy, the Canadian Press. And over to the prairies, the Alberta government has announced policies aimed at education affordability. Advanced Education Minister Demetrius Nicolaides explains the plan. As part of Budget 2023, Alberta's government plans to make post-secondary education more affordable by capping tuition increases, reducing interest rates on Alberta student loans, extending the Alberta student loan interest-free grace period, and increasing the income threshold for the repayment assistance plan. The change in interest rates begins in July. The tuition increase cap would start in 2024. And finally, into the Atlantic provinces, Newfoundland and Labrador's Energy Minister Andrew Parsons says it's frustrating to watch oil companies report massive profits after they threatened to abandon projects during the height of the pandemic. Two years ago, Synovus received $41.5 million in taxpayer money after the company threatened to walk away from operations in the White Rose oil field. Synovus reported 2022 revenue of $11.4 billion this morning, nearly double its revenue for 2021. Minister Parsons says that his government does remain open to the idea of financial incentives for oil companies as long as the arrangement benefits the province. That's your look at the regional news. Let's bring in Brock Richardson for a sports chat. Brock, starting in the world of Paris sports, some really exciting news from women's wheelchair rugby. Yes, uh, Wheelchair Rugby Canada is thrilled to announce that Canada will be will send a women's team to Paris to compete in the 2023 Women's Cup. This is the first time that uh, they will send an international uh, a team to an international competition uh, for female wheelchair uh, rugby athletes. So very, very cool. And you'll start seeing as we talk about um, para sports over the next little while, as we creep ever so close to uh, the para Pan Am games uh, this summer and then the games in Paris, you'll see that um, teams will start to have events, test events in Paris. Uh, this is a normal 
a habit when you have a Paralympic Games or an Olympic Games. They they kind of run uh, smaller events in some of the venues to make sure that all of the things run smoothly and and do that. So this is just one of many where you're going to see um, you know events happen in Paris, but it's pretty historic for the organization and the women themselves to be competing in an event like this. Yeah, a little amuse-bouche ahead of the games next summer. It's just a taste. Just a taste. Uh, Brock, that's some good news from the world of sports. There's some sad news from the world of sports. Uh, Tim McCarver passed away, and you're remembering the former baseball broadcaster and baseball player today. So what are the thoughts you want to share about Tim McCarver? Uh, Tim McCarver was uh, integral in my childhood in, in um, you know, watching the World Series. Uh, I I would always watch uh, Fox's broadcast. And in my opinion, Tim McCarver and uh, Joe Buck were very, very good at um, being impartial uh, to both teams and broadcasting really, really well, being that they would only come in for the one World Series and and do that series full and through. I just thought that they were one of the best uh, broadcast tandems in the business. There's a list of them. But for me, in my childhood, I remember Tim McCarver and Joe Buck uh, doing a really nice job with the broadcast. It's hard to be impartial when you just kind of fly in and do the World Series, and it's tough. So I, I always liked what they did. Yeah, broadcast legend uh, passed away yesterday at 81 years old. Brock, let's look ahead to the weekend. Lots of interesting sports. Let's start in the world of hockey. Surprise, surprise, Toronto playing host to Montreal tomorrow night has uh, your attention. It does have my attention. Uh, Montreal has had Toronto's number this season. Uh, And so we'll see what happens uh, tomorrow night again in another installment of this battle. It's always... uh, my favorite, uh, one of my favorite battles uh, to see. I used to really like the Ottawa and Toronto battle. It's become less of a battle lately, um, but it's um, it's still a good thing. But Toronto and Montreal is up for Saturday night in Toronto, so it'll be. A- Interesting matchup. Montreal got clobbered in Carolina last night. My Habs group chat was uh, popping because the Habs got into an early lead and we're like, no, stop winning games. We want a better draft pick. You've won enough this year. Stop. Uh, Brock, the reason why the game is in Toronto tomorrow night is because there's a wrestling event in Montreal. The WWE is putting on Elimination Chamber with Montrealer Sami Zayn fighting for the world title against Roman Reigns. I'll be there in the bleachers hooting and hollering. And that's why I'm taking an entire week off next week because I'm planning to lose my voice uh brock elsewhere in the hockey world the new york rangers are going to be visiting alberta this weekend with a game in calgary tonight and a game in edmonton tomorrow big measuring stick game for all three teams involved the rangers after acquiring vladimir tarasenko have been on a tear he's got a great chemistry with their star player artemi panarin and their goaltender igor shesterkin starting to find his form as well brock a big weekend for the two alberta teams and the new york rangers Yes, and this morning when I woke up and checked uh, Sportsnet, I saw a headline that Calgary is beginning to question the culture in Calgary. So, oh, oh, because they're on a bit of a on a bit of a slide, and so we'll see where that trends with uh, Daryl Sutter behind the bench. But again, some questioning questioning coming out with the culture with uh, Calgary, and it's sort of a. A big weekend for Edmonton. We often talk about Edmonton sort of just kind of being there as a team and 
not getting over the edge. And so this is this is a good weekend for them as well. So lots of good stuff uh, coming out of Alberta and a little bit of news as well, yeah. as I mentioned. Nothing, so. nothing like uh, being out of the playoffs to make us question the uh, culture of a team. Uh, sneaky look at the standings. Edmonton only a couple wins away from the top of the Pacific Division. So even though we've talked about Edmonton not quite getting over the edge this year, very sneakily still in the mix as uh, Seattle and Vegas have come back down to earth. Brock, looking over to the world of basketball, the NBA All-Star game is taking place. That means NBA All-Star weekend is off and running. I've told you before, I have trouble getting up for All-Star games. However, there's a couple things I like about the NBA All-Star game. It's a sport where offense is exciting and dunks are exciting and three-point shots are exciting. So for a few minutes on Sunday, it's worth popping into the game. And I do like watching the three-point shooting competition on Saturday during the skills competition. Yes, uh, you and I are very like-minded. I quite like the um, three-point competition. I don't mind the slam dunk competition. It's when... Again, they start to get into these gimmicky, like, relay races things, and I'm just like, eh, yeah. eh whatever on that. But, yeah, if that's your thing, it's uh, coming up um, this weekend, and we just had the NHL All-Star, so now it's the NBA <laughs> uh, turn to do the same. Yeah, it's tough, man. You get three All-Star games inside a three-weekend period between the Pro Bowl, the NHL All-Star game, and the NBA All-Star game. It's cramming a lot in. It's cramming a lot in. But, Brock... I know where your heart will be this weekend. It's the Scotty Tournament uh-huh. of Hearts. You are a closet curling fan, although I don't know if it's so much a closet curling fan as like straight up you love curling. Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. What's the key look ahead for this major curling event? This this event, when these events come on and the season of champions come on, my wife despises it because literally it's on my tv from start to finish and i just love it so no closet fan here i'm open and honest <laughs> about my about my curling uh, love and it stems back from bocce you know being involved in bocce but i digress the the big story coming out of the weekend is carrie anderson is looking for her fourth uh consecutive championship at the scottish tournament of hearts and i got so ahead that in my notes I wrote fifth because I'm just that confident that <laughs> she will win it. Uh, she will tie the great Colleen Jones if she wins this event, and uh, this is good. I, this is the only team that's really stayed completely together. Every, every other women's team has had one or two changes or wholesale changes, and the Anderson team is the only one that has stayed fully together. So it's a testament to what they have done over the last number of years. I am the world's most casual curling fan, Brock, but there is something about it. It just plays really well on TV. It looks great on TV. It sounds great on TV. The broadcasters are top-notch. It's a great television product, but like I told you, I'm a casual. I'll do the Briar, I'll do the Tournament of Hearts, and maybe the Olympics, but you can only get so much curling in my life. Yeah, I'll do the World Championships on both sides, and then I'm done for the year. I don't tend to do the Pinties Grand Slam. I, I tend to just do the major ones, and that's it. There you um, go. But yeah, I really enjoy it. It's like me with golf and tennis. You know, give me a couple weekends a year. I get excited, and then I move on. Brock, thank you for this. Enjoy the weekend, uh, and I will not talk to you next week. I'll talk to you the week following. Yes, indeed. Looking forward to chatting with Alex next right week. Right on. That is Brock Richardson at the AMI Sports Desk. You just heard him mention Alex. Alex is filling in for me next week. But for now, he's at the AMI Weather Desk.
is your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Starting off in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland, there's snow off and on today with two centimeters falling. Wind gusts up to 60 kilometers per hour. The high is minus five and feeling like minus 14 with the wind chill. In Charlottetown, PEI, there's snow and ice set to fall today with two centimeters uh, expected. There's wind gusts up to 50 kilometers per hour. The high is minus three, feeling like minus six, and there is a snowfall warning in effect overnight. In St. John, New Brunswick, there's a mix of rain and freezing rain falling today. There's up to five millimeters of rain and up to four centimeters of ice, so it's a very ugly wet day out there. The high is minus four, wind chill minus 11, and there is a freezing rain warning in effect. In Quebec City, Quebec, there's heavy snow falling today with up to 15 centimeters expected. There's also wind gusts up to 70 kilometers per hour in some areas. The high is minus seven, and the wind chill is minus 16, and there is a snowfall warning in effect. Here in Toronto, Ontario, there's light snow and possible freezing rain this morning, but then it'll be cloudy in the afternoon. The high is minus five and feeling like minus 12. In Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, it's sunny, becoming a mix of sun and clouds. The high is minus eight, and it's feeling like minus 27. In Brandon, Manitoba, it's cloudy with possible snow this afternoon. There's also wind gusts up to 50 kilometers per hour. The high is minus one, and feeling like minus 22 with that wind chill. In Regina, Saskatchewan, it's mainly cloudy with a chance of snow today. There's wind gusts up to 50 kilometers per hour, and the high is minus two, but it feels like minus 13. In Lethbridge, Alberta, it's a mix of sun, of sun and clouds. There's also strong winds up to 60 kilometers per hour, and the high is five degrees today. In Red Deer, Alberta, it's a mix of sun and clouds and possible snow. The high is minus one, feeling like minus nine. In the Whitehorse Yukon, it is a mix of sun and clouds today with snow starting in the afternoon. The high is minus four, but with that wind chill, it's more like minus 22. Over to Kelowna, BC, it's cloudy with snow expected this morning, and then it'll become a mix of sun and clouds in the afternoon, and the high is four degrees in Kelowna. Finally, over to Vancouver, BC, where it's cloudy with possible rain or wet snow this morning, then turning to a mix of sun and clouds. And the high in the area is seven degrees. That's your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Thank you very much, Alex. Coming up next, Michael McNeely reviews the documentary Fire of Love. A little lava and volcano talk with Michael McNeely. But first, remember all the buzz around NFTs last year? Well, prices are on the decline. Mike Dubusky takes a closer look in tech trends. NFTs were often hyped up as digital trading cards with collections like Bored Apes or CryptoPunks. The PFP, which is profile picture boom, where people were paying hundreds of thousand dollars for a cartoon ape, I think that has largely gone away. Dan Roberts is the editor-in-chief of Decrypt. He says last year's crypto downturn took the NFT market down with it. NFTs for many, many people have become something of a punchline. I think even the acronym has become a little toxic. But profile pictures aren't the only thing NFT can be used for. There are applications for live event ticketing, uh, media subscriptions. Robert says those applications mean the NFT market isn't likely to dry up completely. Instead, the NFT space is going to evolve into more specific use cases. With Tech Trends, I'm Mike Dubusky, ABC News.
Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. A new National Geographic documentary is available to stream on Disney+. Plus. It's called Fire of Love. There's a clip from the trailer. The footage shows a couple named Katya and Maurice Kraft crossing grassy fields, taking photography and frolling amid rocky expanses. This is Katya. And this is Maurice. Maurice tosses a rock at Katya's helmeted head. <laughs> Tomorrow will be their last day. They will leave behind hundreds of hours of footage, thousands of photos, and a million questions. National Geographic documentary films. A fountain of lava sprays. Alone, they could only dream of volcanoes. Together, they can reach them. They meet on a blind date at a cafe. From here on out, life will only be volcanoes, volcanoes, volcanoes. Michael McNeely is just erupting to give a review of this film. Hey, good morning, Michael. Hi, I'm curious how many puns we can fit in here. About volcanoes, volcanoes, volcanoes. <laughs> well, I've already given my uh, top pun, so we'll see if I can uh, build towards some other ones. Michael, why did this film catch your attention? Well, you know, this week is all about romance because we had Valentine's Day, and I've always been the kind of person that says, you know, don't celebrate things on the holidays, just celebrate things around the holidays. Because, um, you know, the restaurants are too grounded, and the cinemas are too grounded on Tuesday. So might as well celebrate Valentine's Day on a Wednesday. Or maybe for all my friends out there, maybe not celebrate Valentine's Day at all and just watch volcanoes. <laughs> so as this conversation flows on, what did you learn about Katya Maurice and their contributions to the study of volcanoes? Well, I learned that they are a loving couple. They were a loving couple. I'm sorry, they're both dead. Um, that's a spoiler alert. They died in 1991. But they lived and did everything together once they met each other. It was love at first flow. I guess I'm trying to keep up with you, Dave. I'm doing really badly with the puns here. Um, it's remarkable to see two people who have such a passion about one thing that we really don't have passions about often, and that they share that passion with each other harmoniously for the most part, and they were willing to die for their passion. So I think that's what I really took away from this film is how important it is to live your life being passionate about something even if that's something maybe a bit dangerous. Michael, given that Katya and Maurice both died, would you consider this film a bit depressing? I think a life worth living is a life that is basically spent doing those things that you love. They both knew that there were risks they they knew that there was potential for death. They're, they're the kind of people that would pitch a tent right at the cradle of a volcano as it erupted. So it doesn't take anybody with a rocket science background to understand that you may be a little bit, you know, living life on the edge and you may be a bit foolish. 
you could tell from these people that it was it was just their energy level. It was just how they saw life. It was what they wanted to do, and they did it. So I don't want to say it's a lesson for us all, because Dave, I don't want you going to the volcano and living right on its edge. But if you're thinking about whether or not I should go get a donut, or if I should do the treadmill for three hours, get the donut. It's more fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, Michael, no worries about me living on the edge of a volcano or being near volcanoes or doing anything volcanic. I'll, I'll stay nice and safe here in Toronto uh, by the lake, where maybe Montreal is our closest volcano. Uh, Michael, one of my favorite hobbies, though, is to... Uh, admire volcanoes from abroad. I love watching videos of lava flows on YouTube. I always find the imagery to be quite stunning. What did you think of the footage they captured in this documentary? I think you have to thank Moise and Kishia for that. They are the ones that discovered how amazing it was to look at volcanoes erupting. They are the ones that did the initial videos and got public reactions for that. So I think your know, appreciation is part of their legacy. Um, this movie was meant to be watched on the IMAX screen with descriptive um, audio for friends and audiences. It's just staggering. Some of these pictures could be used as uh, calendar backgrounds. And, you know, when you look at something so great, so massive, so magnificent, you can't but hope, you know, realize how small humanity is in the greater scale of things. And you're just odd. Um, I think Keshe and Moise also documented volcanoes because they wanted to ensure that evacuation procedures were always on top of mind. Um, in 1985, there was a devastating volcano eruption in Colombia that killed about um, 25,000 people due to mudslides afterwards washing out entire villages. Moise and Kishio were some of the people that advised the Colombian government to evacuate, but the Colombian government did not listen to them. So afterwards, um, they spent the rest of their lives, five more years, trying to do advocacy, trying to do political work to ensure that evacuations would be respected and encouraged. And unfortunately, I think we don't really appreciate the importance of a well-timed evacuation, especially when looking at the disaster in Syria and Turkey at the moment. Miranda July narrates the film. How did you find her narration? I found her narration to be distracting. I asked my intervener to weigh in to see if it was distracting or not. They said that Miranda July sounded like she was leading a mediation retreat into the depths of hell. <laughs> so I can't really describe any better than them, but... She just sounds so weird. <laughs> it's just so strange to have to put up with this narration. But they, in all fairness, they should just call Morgan Freeman. He did it for penguins. He can do it for volcanoes. 
Yeah, but I think uh, we're not uh, hiring Morgan Freeman for those kinds of things these days. I think he's on the list of uh, cancelled folks. So, uh, so we might have to try again. Maybe bring in um, uh, da- Sir David Attenborough. Bring in, uh, bring in, uh, you know, BBC documentary folks on this one. You know, but but you you and I can brainstorm that one uh, later, Michael. What did you make of the style of the documentary? Is there something you would have done differently? Well, that's why I mentioned about Moanda July. I just feel that she is an off choice for this film. I believe the film doesn't need as much narration as the director thought it did. It's not Moanda's fault. It's the director making choices to have Moanda and to make Moanda act a certain way. But I feel like sometimes you just have to trust your audience to get it. You have to trust the audience would understand that volcanoes are deadly and that they're amazing, and you don't need to tell me that two times. You know what I mean? I think you just sometimes you need to have moments of silence. And I think that's what some of those documentaries that you were talking about with David Attenborough and other scientists, they just let the footage speak for themselves. And I know sometimes that would be difficult with our audience, with um, blind and visually impaired people. So in addition to that, we would have our standard of descriptive audio, but that wouldn't necessarily be the narration that we're hearing, mm. because the narration doesn't really describe. It just says, oh my goodness, the volcanoes are amazing. I'm like, yeah, volcanoes are amazing. Thanks for telling me that. I didn't know that before. But wow, they're dangerous too. I'm like, okay, this is like a grade two educational commentary on something that I was going to take seriously anyway. Would you recommend Fire of Love? Yeah, I would recommend Fire of Love, but it's perfectly fine if you watch Muted sometimes. I think I think it's really important that we pay homage to the lives of Keshia and Moise and to the love that they spent. I think it's important to realize that there is love like that out in the world, that there are couples who work and live alongside each other and that they support each other in all ways of life. And sometimes, of course, they do dangerous things and foolish things, but at least they did those things together and left this world together. Michael, I love a good nature documentary. Big, big fan. I thought Planet Earth maybe nailed the form. I thought Blue Planet nailed the form as well. Uh, Just really excellent work being done in the world of nature documentaries. What are some nature documentaries that you would recommend? I think you nailed those two. Um, I would also recommend Free Soul. It's not really a nature documentary per se. Because we're not doing we're not doing animals this week, but we're doing something where human beings have imposed themselves onto the world. So I think there's also human planet, but for your solo is um is the story of a mountaineer or a rock climber who does not use any safety equipment. And I've had feelings of deep fear for this man and his apparent suicidality, but it's similar to the thrill-seeking nature of the crafts. Michael, you know the uh, nature, I'm putting quotation marks documentary up here uh, that I want to go see. It comes out this weekend. It's called Cocaine Bear. 
Oh, it's called cocaine bail. Yes, I was going to do a segment on bears going bad because it also got we need the pool in a slash of phone. <laughs> okay, all right, that's it. It's official. When I'm back from vacation, we're doing a bear segment. Okay, well, you know what? You have to be careful with the cocaine bear because um, that's not a true story. So I don't want to tell other people that it's a true story. The poor bear died of an overdose. It didn't go crazy. Yeah, well, that, that's why I put quotation marks up on the documentary. That's true. Michael, have a great weekend. You too. And try not to climb any mountains without me. <laughs> I'll do my best. I will not be spelunking without Michael McNeely. That's Michael McNeely with a fiery hot take on Fire of Love. You can find the documentary on Disney+. Plus. It's rated PG. Coming up after the break, it's roundtable time. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tV. Ramya Amuthan and Nazreen Abdelmajid are standing by, but Alex Smythe wants to set up this roundtable topic about impractical passions. Yeah, that's right, Dave. So this weekend is the Toronto International Auto Show, and even though I can't drive, you know, with my vision, I, I still love checking out all the cars, all the vehicles, try to send in as many as I can. Like, I get obsessed with cars, and there's no rational reason to it it's completely impractical for me because i'm probably never going to be able to drive a car but i still can't get enough of it so i wanted to open it up to the panel i get revved up about cars so what is something that you are passionate about but is completely impractical to you so ramya why don't we start with you Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't start with me because mine's <laughs> such a basic answer. Um, so I just love anything audio. I, I don't know enough about it. I will say that. So don't put me on the spot and ask me names and brands and all this. But I just love audio quality. I love speaker systems. I love headphones. I love microphones and all of the above. Uh, and even like musical instruments, it just goes wide, mm. wide out into the love for audio, the love for music and just absolutely whenever i go to a concert or any kind of venue with the, with an audio um like a, a system right sound system i'm critiquing left and right i'm saying you know this could have been done better or that could have been done better when i'm in charge of putting together the audio for an event i get so involved and obsessed and i walk around the space and i yell instructions and it just makes me feel so good uh but it's very impractical because audio equipment is very expensive. I don't play, I barely play any musical instruments, so it doesn't make any sense for me to go out there and purchase like a tenor saxophone. Um, so yeah, it's practically the money that's the problem. Th that was a very, very specific <laughs> example you just cited. I feel like there's been a Long and McQuaig visit where you were like, oh, tenor this feels sax. good. Yeah, this feels good <laughs> in my hands. Uh, Nazreen, what about you? I know Remy has been complaining about that for such a long time since I started working at AMI, so I can tell. Uh, but first off, I can relate to you, Alex, because I love auto auto shows. 
my dad and I went to so many in the past and we love going there. I love looking at the luxurious cars and it's so beautiful and I take pictures of them and everything. But at the same time, it's impractical because I can't drive regardless. So I always tell my sister, okay, get a sports car. So, you know, I want to be <laughs> appearing. I want to, I want to go to this party with a sports car. Like that's what I want. Even though I'm not going to drive it, I just want to be, I, I want that vision, you know? I feel like I would match that vision. Um, so uh, that's it. But another thing is also luxurious houses. So mm. I always uh, watch these real estate shows. I know, I know you know what I'm talking about, like those big, big houses. And I'm always like, okay, um, this is this is what I want in my house and blah, blah, blah. Like I make a list of what I love. It's just so entertaining. Oh, I love those luxury uh, estate and house YouTube channels. I just watched one yes. last night that was a 20 minute tour of a $47 million uh, mansion in Colorado. And I was like, hmm, even if I won the lottery, I still couldn't afford this. Like that's how that's how nice this is. I don't even know who can afford a forty-seven a forty-seven million dollar uh, mansion in Colorado. But yeah, it was it was nice. It was good living. You know, multiple bedrooms, little home theater. It's good to me. Uh, so I'm going to be living my impractical passion this weekend as I go to this wrestling event in Montreal. No, the impractical passion is not me liking wrestling or me wanting to be a wrestler. That ship has long sailed. Here's the impractical passion for me. I like going to live events. I like going to hockey games. I like going to basketball games. I like going to wrestling events. But here's the thing. It's a worse experience for me visually as a legally blind person <laughs> to go to one of these events in person because it's not as good as watching it on TV because I can't see anything. It's like such a ridiculous waste of my money and my and my comfort because the other side of it that makes it impractical, and this is more a Dave problem than a world problem, I... Uh, I'm like a little too fat to sit in stadium seats and not have my rolls of fat touch other people. So not only is my visual experience not as good at a live event, I'm also more uncomfortable because of my body size. So I don't know why I keep agreeing to go to these things, even though I know I'm going to be miserable. Uh, Alex, what about you? I mean, I guess you, I guess you kind of mentioned it, but what is it about these experiences that just keeps you coming back, even though it's impractical? Practical. I, I think for for when it comes to cars specifically, there's just some sort of like elegance to them. There's there's power. There's craftsmanship. There we are a car culture in North America, so it was always kind of that saddest uh, symbol to it. And there's just something. It's there's certain ones that you just see driving. You're like, ooh, what's that? Ooh, I'm sure that goes fast. Like especially to I want the fastest car available. Yeah, that one well, you can never even room. drive it fast. Like, you know. <laughs> so that's also the other impractical side to it. But there's just something about like being able to sink your teeth into something and it's like, what's the latest innovation? How is it new? And then you start dreaming. It's like, well, maybe in a world where they made these all autonomous and you didn't need to have a steering wheel, I could just sit here and it just drive itself and it'd be phenomenal. There's there's just that element of just fantasy that just kind of tips into it. Nazreen, if money was not an object, would you buy your sister said sports car to be chauffeured around? A hundred percent. I was already, I was already offering some, some here and there. I'm like, let's, I'm, I'll pay half of it. I just want the vision of me getting out of a sports car. Can you picture it? I can picture it. I, so I, I 
I would. You got the swag. You got the swag. I could see you rocking that swag coming out of a Maserati uh, to the AMI studios. Don't uh, tease me, Dave. Uh, Ramya, money's no object. Are you, A, living in a bigger apartment that has an instrument room? Oh, heck, yeah. And can you imagine the sound treatment around the luxury home that I have? Just everywhere sound treated. An instrument room here, a home theater with the cleanest audio you've ever heard there. And then, like, I mean, it would make more sense if I could actually play these instruments. But maybe I would just bring friends over all the time who could play for me. Yeah, well, such if, a dream. Well, if money's no object, now you're wealthy enough that you don't need to work and you could just play your instruments all the time. Like, that's how I just work. don't have the discipline. Yeah. That was never a money problem. If money was no object, I would just simply buy two seats to every event that I go to and sit really <laughs> close. That's what I would do to solve my impractical uh, obsession and hobby. <laughs> Alex, thank you for this. Have a great week filling in for me next week. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Have a great week off. Whoop, whoop. And Nazreen, you have yourself a nice week as well. Happy Friday. Happy Friday indeed. Ramya, before I wish you a nice weekend and a nice week, what is coming up on Kelly and Ramya today at 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-TV and AMI-audio? You guys got me so hyped, by the way. I feel like I'm going to go and buy stuff now. I don't know. It's not good. <laughs> Talk to our uh, colleague Paula Deneen. She'll help you with that. Thanks. Thank you. Um, Uber, we're talking on our app update with John Beeler, Uber, and their new audio recording safety feature for riders. Uh, John Beeler is going to give us the details on that. Gardener Susan Carney, Kearney is joining us, and she's talking about plant families and some of their surprising relatives. And we have the Chatty Bookshelf with Ryan Huey, where we talk all things audiobooks. And he's highlighting a new book review website intended for teens and children. Right on. Very Rumi, Ramya, thank you for this. Appreciate it. Thank you. Enjoy your week off. Oh, I am very much going to enjoy my week off. That is Ramya Emmethan, the co-host of Kelly and Ramya, which comes your way 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. Coming up after the break, Greg David will tell you all about AMI-tv's new program, Ness Murby, Transcending. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. You know, the wheels of production never stop around AMI, and there's a couple new shows making their way onto the network. It all kicks off with Ness Murby transcending. AMI communication specialist Greg David joins the show with a few more details on this new show. Hey, good morning, Greg. Good morning, Dave. How are you doing? I'm well. So, Greg, Ness is no stranger to AMI. What's he up to in this new program? Yeah, this is a really uh, groundbreaking show, and we're really proud of it. Like you said, it's called Ness Murby Transcending. It's a six-episode documentary series that follows Ness, uh, Paralympian Ness Murby, as he trains and vies to become the world's first openly trans man to compete at a Paralympic Games. So why was it so important for Ness to tell the story and capture it via documentary? Well, I mean, it, you know, obviously it's an intriguing story. Uh, you know, there are several hot-button topics involved in this show. Um, you know, um, deciding that, uh, you know, Ness deciding... Because when I first met Ness, Ness identified as female and then uh, preferred to change... The, uh, his pronouns and and now is going full on uh, male um, taking to weekly testosterone shots so it really is an intimate peek at uh, at 
you know, I don't want to give too much away, but the the process of deciding to do this, um, coming out, and then also competing uh, into you know, for the next Paralympic Games. So, as you say, you don't want to give away too much here. So, what I know you can give away is when Transcending is going to de- debut on AMI TV. Yeah, so uh, Ness Murphy Transcending debuts Wednesday, March the 8th at 8 p.m. Eastern on AMI-TV. And if you can't catch it uh, on TV, you can also stream it on AMI.ca and also on the AMI-TV app. And really, it's uh, it's not only the story of Ness, but also his wife, Eva, and their child, and just the whole idea of the family dynamic and how Eva met Ness. Originally, she was uh, helping him uh, to train, and uh, obviously there was romance along the way, and, and so it's really the story of family too very good march the 8th wednesday march the 8th it's actually kind of amazing how fast this uh, month has gone by and yes. march 8th right around the corner so ness murby transcending ami tv march the 8th ami tv greg speaking of tv more broadly the canadian screen awards are coming down the pipeline this spring you want to offer up a preview about some special awards being handed out this year first and foremost it's in the name but how would mm-hmm. you describe the canadian screen awards I mean, it's it's kind of like if you took the Primetime Emmy Awards and the Oscars and rolled them into one, uh, because the Canadian Screen Awards celebrates not only Canadian TV but also Canadian cinema. So yeah, it's those it's those two big items down in the states on uh, on a stage here in Canada. Very cool. Have they lined up a host yet? Yeah, they absolutely have. Um, so it's going to be Samantha B, um, who folks will know obviously from uh, from the Daily Show, but also she had her own late night uh, television series uh, called yeah, Full, Full Frontal. Frontal. It's great. Yep. Full Frontal with Samantha B. And I didn't know this, but she was the longest running correspondent on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. So uh, the uh, Canadian Academy just announced last week that Samantha B is going to be uh, helming the gala that comes up on uh, Sunday, April the 16th at 8 p.m. on CBC, CBC Gem, and the CBC YouTube channel. Oof, getting all those channels covered all up there for that, uh, for that gala. Well, you know, if you're going to support Canadian screens, you got to get it on as many screens as possible. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> uh, Greg, there are going to be some special awards handed out. Why is Ryan Reynolds being recognized? Uh, not only for just being an all-around cool guy, he's being given the Humanitarian <laughs> Award. And that's in recognition of an extraordinary humanitarian contribution or act of compassion, and I'm reading this from the Academy website, by a professional working in the Canadian media industry in the prior year. year. Uh, not only has he done this in the past year, but uh, Ryan has always shown a dedication of philanthropy throughout his career. Um, he's made donations to charities like Canada's Water First Education and Training, uh, Inc. and the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees in an effort to support displaced families from the Ukraine. And uh, something that's a little bit more fun is that he holds an annual aesthetically challenged, I'm using air quotes, sweater holiday campaign <laughs> that helps raise money for the hospital for sick children. And uh, Hugh Jackman has been, uh, has been part of that campaign in past years along with Ryan. When you think about Ryan Reynolds, Greg, Is there somebody in entertainment who's more beloved? It really feels like everything he's done the last five to seven years is just hit after hit after hit, love after love after love. 
Yeah, I don't think so because he seems like a genuinely nice guy. He's the first person to make fun of himself. And um, I, I just – my girlfriend who isn't into sports at all has just started watching Welcome to Wrexham because yeah. I told her how great the first season was. And she's really engaged in it. And I think a lot of it, you know, because she's not sports inclined or anything, is the carrying that 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 not only Ryan but Rob McElhenney does as as the, the narrators and the hosts of the show. Like you watch him and you can't help but laugh and like the guy. It's it, He's untouchable. Yeah, tier three, tier four Welsh soccer team. Who would have thought that yeah. was going to make incredibly compelling reality <laughs> yeah. TV? Yeah, welcome yeah, to Rexham. Exactly. That, that's one that people should definitely check out if they have the opportunity to. Is it Disney Plus? I think it's Disney Plus that one pops it up. It is. Yeah, it's it's star under the Disney Plus banner for sure. <laughs> so many banners under banners. They make it very Ugh. confusing. Uh, Greg, another very big name receiving a special uh, honor is Catherine O'Hara. What is Catherine O'Hara being offered up here? So she's being given the Academy Icon Award, and this is presented to Canadian individual or institution for their exceptional ongoing contribution to the media industry at home or abroad. And of course, when you say Catherine O'Hara, uh, you know, Shit's Creek pops into your head, SCTV, of course, Best in Show, all of those movies that she made uh, that Christopher Guest has, has created, Home Alone, of course, Beetlejuice. I mean, just, you know... I, if you watch television or movies, you know who Catherine O'Hara is. And so she's being given the well-deserved Academy Icon Award at the Canadian Screen Awards this year. A couple journalists also receiving some recognition. Tracy Moore of City TV fame. Mm -hmm. What award is Tracy Moore receiving? Yeah, so she's being given the Changemaker Award, and that recognizes and honors those in the media community in Canada who are using their voice or platform to call out systemic racism and discrimination, and they support and amplify the voices of those who are actively engaged in anti-racist work. This is what the award is given out to. Um, and so Tracy has shown commitment to that uh, all throughout her career, uh, her commitment to diversity and inclusion on City Line in front of and behind the camera, uh, through her work as the host of the City Line real on race YouTube series and podcast uh, she has talked about diversity uh, racism uh, anti-racism and she's also made a commitment to supporting young women and children with City Line's very first scholarship for BIPOC women and she was recently mm. named a Trust 15 ambassador so lots of great work being done by Tracy Moore and finally Lisa Laflamme of CTV News fame is also being honored what is Lisa Laflamme being recognized with She's being given the Gordon Sinclair Award for Broadcast Journalism. Google Gordon Sinclair if you don't already know who he is. Uh, uh, this recognizes a Canadian broadcast journalist for their exceptional wow, exceptional body of work in broadcast journalism. And as many of us know, uh, Lisa has been at the forefront of the profession for over 30 years, tackling some of the biggest issues of our time and traveling the globe to deliver breaking news to Canadians. And most recently, it, uh, she was in uh, England covering uh, late Queen Elizabeth's funeral mm. for, uh, for the Rogers folks. Greg, we've only got about 90 seconds here on the clock. And I, I know you wanted to take this time to talk about a few of these special nominations and special awards being handed out. But off the top of your head, what are some of the Canadian shows that pe and movies that people should be thinking about keeping top of mind between now and April 16th? Oh, wow. That's a really great question. I mean, you know, off the top of my head, ugh, I, I, I feel uh, I, I feel bad because, again, I'm, no. I'm ambushing you with this. But No, no, no. 
That's okay. I, you know what I will mention though is um, is what was really exciting is that w- we may have some news. The nominations are, are being announced for the categories next week, and okay, we may have some okay, news. Okay. No, it's okay. We may have some news with regard to AMI. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed. This is the first time that AMI has submitted some programming to the Academy for the Canadian Screen Awards. So, fingers crossed. The next time you and I talk, it'll be though talking about AMI being nominated for Canadian Screen Awards. Oh yeah. Now with Dave Brown's going to sweep through the whole thing, we're going to get. Uh, best talk show through and through or at least most handsome host and most handsome tv analyst as a collective best talk show host for sure <laughs> uh greg it's it's i was you know i made mention of some of these canadian screen things i was flipping through my netflix the other night and mm. um uh eastern promises po- popped up the david cronenberg yeah. movie that was filmed in montreal yep. oh gosh that the, the, the movie about human trafficking never made me feel so good <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay, no no easy way to respond to that one. But no. if you've never seen Eastern Promises, go to your Netflix this weekend and give Eastern Promises a watch. It's incredible. Uh, Greg, thank you for this. Yep. Thank you for tolerating my wildness. No problem. Anytime, Dave. Thanks so much. <laughs> That's Greg David, a communications specialist for AMI from Chelsea, Quebec. That's all the time we have for the show today. It's all the time we have for the show this week. The show will be back on Tuesday after a long weekend for most of the country. Alex Smythe will be filling in for me. So until then, I'm Dave Brown reminding you to play safe, play fair, but don't forget to have some fun. And as we like to do at the end of every broadcast week, we say thank you to the people who work so hard to put this show to air. Host Dave Brown. Co-host producer Alex Smythe. Sports reporter Brock Richardson. Contributors Rami Amuthan, Nazreen Abdel-Majid. Senior show producer Andrika Delanerol. Visual producer Bruce Beclarian. Producers Paul Daniel, Marianne Dion Jones. Production assistant Kingsley Juco. Director Anastasia Spalding Stenhouse. Control room operators Daniel Panamondo, Eliza Rocco, Parker Oxtoby. Manager of Operations, Kyle Harper. Manager of Live Production, Paula Deneen. Director of Content Development, Kara Nye. Vice President of Programming, John Melville. President and CEO, David Arrington. Give us your feedback, 1-866-509-4545. Copyright 2023, Accessible Media, Inc. NAMI Original Production. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.